Welcome to D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. I'm D.T. Kane, author of the epic fantasy series The Agersfar Saga and The Spoken Books Uprising. Each week, I read from one of my novels, discuss my writing process, answer your questions, and have general discussions about fantasy fiction. It's like a book club, except I do all the work for you. Find show notes, info about all my novels, and much more at dtkane.com. Here's the show. Chapter 11 Don't be thick, Deliritus said to Rox, his voice rising as it often did when he was annoyed. It's been five days and you've barely slept. How can you keep your oath if you're snoozing in the saddle when danger strikes? Danger is already here, Rox said. While his voice was still deep as a canyon, there was wariness in it. Somehow, that worried Baz. He'd always thought of rocks more like a massive tool rather than breathing flesh and blood. It was much easier to disdain a tool than it was a person. Nonsense. Hellar's done nothing to suggest he'd break his bargain with me. He is not the one I worry over, Rox replied. Deliritus shook his head. He'd removed his hat and his yellow hair, unwashed from days of travel, shone in the firelight. Marlow won't move on us either. Colnar Library wishes to curry favor with Xavier just as much as I do. She won't risk aggravating Hellar. Sleep, Rox. That's the end of it. I'll keep watch. Baz considered pointing out that just that morning, Marla had nearly shown Baz the color of his insides. But talking had gotten him in enough trouble for one day and a night blessedly devoid of Rox's droning tunes was sufficient to convince him to just wrap Liana's cloak about him and forget his worries. Baz awoke in the middle of the night. Not uncommon, except this time it hadn't been an ill-positioned rock that had robbed him of sleep, but muttering in the darkness. Now, to an ordinary person, that might not seem a big deal, Maybe someone had risen to make water, or your bedmate's having a bad dream, or a companion is mumbling in his sleep. But when you have legitimate concerns about other readers wishing you serious harm, sinister murmurs coming from the darkness is no laughing matter. Baz rolled over in the voice's direction. There, he saw an outline illuminated by a candle. A traveling lectern hung from the figure's neck, supporting a spoken book at eye level. The candlelight reflected off the jeweled hilt of Marla's dagger. Wretch was beside her, fidgeting as he repeated Marla's words, so softly Baz couldn't make them out. Whatever spell she was reading was a complex one. How long had Baz been awake? Thirty seconds? More? A flash of fear washed over Baz, as he briefly considered that Marlow was reading a murder, a spell that simply stopped one's heart outright. But those were terribly complex and incredibly dangerous, as they utilized mostly the element of shadow, which nearly no one understood. They could also take an hour or more to read. Oh, and they were illegal. 
That was all foolish, however, since Marla's speaker was a creator. He wouldn't be capable of such a spell. Baz let his eyes search out Deliritus. He was a few paces away, back against the tree under which they'd set up their camp. He was asleep. That irresponsible little... Wait, no, not asleep. His eyes were still open, but glazed over as if in a trance. The light of another candle glinted off the pearly buttons of Hellar's tunic. He was reading from a book of his own to Trunnell. So Deliritus hadn't been derelict in his duties. Likely, Hellar had come over pretending he wanted to talk, then caught Deliritus in a web of influence. Cold terror grasped Baz. If Hellar was focused on Deliritus, did that mean Marla was... But no, her speaker wasn't even looking in Baz's direction, which meant he must be... Rocks, wake up! Baz shouted. The harbor had appeared to be fast asleep on his back, razor rising and falling with his chest. But almost before the words were out of Baz's mouth, Rox was already up on his feet, razor extended. He lashed out at the first thing he saw, which unfortunately was Trunnel rather than Wretch. Trunnel cried out as the straight edge of Rox's weapon slashed across his thigh. If he'd been inches closer, it would have taken off his leg. As it was, blood still sprayed into the air and he fell back, coughing as the spell he'd been speaking died in his mouth. Too late, Rox realized Wretch and Marla were also present. Just as he turned in Marla's direction, she stopped speaking, and an instant later the ground about Rox erupted, as roots as wide around as tree trunks began wrapping themselves about his limbs. The harbor strained against them, and for an instant, Baz thought he might actually break free. Apparently, so did Wretch who squawked and fell backward as he tried to flinch away. But the roots continued to roll out of the ground until Rox's entire body was nearly covered in them. His eyes burned like those of a trapped animal, but he was bound so tightly he couldn't even turn his head, much less wriggle to escape. Baz knew when it was time to get out. While everyone was still collecting themselves from the flurry of action, he crawled away to the tree line of the copse in which they'd camped. He got himself behind the largest tree he could find and leaned against it. His panting breaths sounded like a beast's roars, the night air sharp as an icicle as he gulped it down. I knew your harbor ought to have taken care of Torchsire's speaker, Hellar said. He was crouched over Trunnel, and for the first time since they'd left erstwhile, Baz heard actual emotion in his voice. Get your speaker over here and heal him before he bleeds out. Marla snorted, glancing around the clearing. You could just as easily have sent yours after him. And leave myself unguarded while I spoke to my influencer? In any other circumstance, Baz wouldn't have been able to contain a snort of derision. Even now... Out in the wilds and in the midst of turning on one of their fellow readers, they couldn't trust their speakers long enough to ensure a loose end like Baz didn't interfere with their plans. Marla, snapped Hellar, he needs healing now. 
Baz chanced to look around the tree trunk. For several moments, it appeared as if Marla intended to let Trunnell die. But then her eyes darted to Arrow, Hellar's harbor. She must not have liked the way he was fingering his bow, and her own harbor wasn't close enough to stop him from putting an arrow through her eye. No problem, Hellar, she said, her voice taking on the same chilling, sing-song pleasantness it had when she'd threatened Baz earlier. She removed a book from the pack on her harbor's back, opened it, and began reading to Wretch, who repeated the words. A handful of seconds later, a mist of white particles floated from Wretch's fingertips into Trunnell's leg. He immediately stopped squirming and breathed a sigh of relief. There, will that do? Marla cooed. Hellar shook his head, expression suggesting that he couldn't believe he'd stooped to the level of cooperating with someone as mad as Marla clearly was. The lyritist chose that moment to regain consciousness. Wha-what? His voice was still slurred from whatever spell Hellar had used, sounding like a drunk just thrown out of the tavern. Well, Marla said, the sudden spike of interest in her voice sending a shiver down Baz's spine. Welcome to our little get-together, Torch Sire. Ryle, hold him. Marla's harbor strode over to Deliritus, slipped the bookpack off her shoulders, and dropped it to the ground beside Deliritus. The sound seemed to bring him fully awake. He blinked several times, then sat up and looked around, a hesitant smile touching his lips. Oh, hello there, chaps. What time is it? A bit early for... Hey, what are you... Ah! Deliritus's good-natured drawling cut off into a gurgled cry as Ryle lifted him off the ground by his throat. His boot soles scuffed the ground, kicking up little stones. His hat toppled off, feather floating to the ground. Ryle trampled it as she shifted her weight to keep a grip on Deliritus's squirming form. Marla, is this drama really necessary? Hilar said. Now that Trunnell was healed, he seemed to have lost all interest in him, his voice returning to its typical disinterested drone. He was rummaging around in his own book pack, which was still on Arrow's back. Marla ignored Hellar. Ryle, be a dear and put Deliritus down for a moment. I think he's trying to tell us something. The harbor complied, but didn't release her grasp on the front of Deliritus's shirt. Deliritus took a few deep breaths, then started and stopped speaking several times before taking another deep breath and putting his shoulders back. I see you've decided to take the dishonorable path after all. Personally, I'd a higher opinion of the two of you, but it seems I should have listened to Bastion. Bastion? Marla asked. His speaker... Hellar said, still rummaging around in the book pack and sounding bored, as if he were being kept from something important. Oh, right, Marla said, voice playful and feral. You actually call them by name, like little pets. It's cute, I suppose. Deliritus glared at her, then began looking around. Where is he? Bastion! Bastion? 
Baz grimaced from his hiding spot. Deliritus actually sounded concerned. He was probably just worried over what it would mean for his chances of winning the trials if he lost his speaker. Still, Baz's hands tightened around the trunk of the tree as Deliritus continued to shout for him. Deliritus's eyes returned to Marla. You didn't. His words trailed off as if he feared to complete the sentence. Don't be so dramatic, Marla said, mock offense in her tone. We've done nothing to him, yet. Hellar, why don't you send your harbor off to have some fun with Torchsire's pet? Deliritus struggled against Ryle's grip, but he might as well have been trying to bend steel for all the good it did him. Hellar paused his searching in the book pack for a moment, sparing a glance for Marla. You and I have very different ideas of fun, he said. Besides, his speaker's useless without Torchsire to read to him. I won't send my harbor off on a needless search. Let the wilds have him. Mm, no, Marla said. That won't do. I have a thing or two I need to show that boy after our exchange from earlier. Baz shuddered and put his back to the tree trunk once more. He'd be finished in a heartbeat if either one of them sent a harbor looking for him. He had few talents, and none of them involved running farther than the distance from his sleeping pallet to the privy back in Torchsire Library. I suppose I ought to be honored, Deliritus said, temporarily drawing Marla's attention away from tracking down Baz. The two of you thought me enough of a threat to gang up on me. Marla threw her head back and laughed. The sound was so saturated with madness that Baz covered his ears. His hands were shaking. Hardly, dearie, hardly. It was that which concerned us. She jabbed a finger at rocks. He'd stopped struggling against the roots that encased him like a sarcophagus, though his eyes were clear in the moon's glow, tracking Marla's every movement. Deliritus followed the direction of Marla's finger, his mouth retreating to a thin line. "'What do you intend?' he asked. "'You, you can't kill me. The rules forbid it, and my father would hunt you down.' The gravity of Deliritus's threat was seriously hampered by the cracking of his voice, but he did manage to keep a level glare at Marla. "'You going to be a party to this too, Hellar?' the Torchsire heir asked without taking his eyes from Marla. "'I thought we had a deal. You need Torchsire's support.' Before Hellar could respond, Marla slapped Deliritus across the face. "'Don't be daft, dearie.' Her tone of voice was like that of a parent correcting a child. The stark contrast between that and her having just struck Deliritus was chilling. It's not you we need dead. You're no threat at all. That, on the other hand, she pointed at rocks once more. Hellar, would you mind? You're the one who is so eager to be moving on, after all. Hellar glanced at rocks, then to Marla, and sighed. Fine, fine. His tone was resigned, as if he was being asked to perform a chore he disliked. 
Arrow, kill the Torchsire Harbor. And don't give me any lectures. He's a threat to me, and you know it. Arrow glanced back to Hellar for a moment, then nodded. The words mean what they mean. It sounded so very odd to Baz, those words coming not in Rox's rumbling basso, but from the sweet tenor of Arrow's much higher voice. Wait, Deliritus said, beginning once more to struggle against Ryle's grip. This isn't necessary. We'll just back out of the trials. Yes, how about that? Marla tapped a finger to her lips for a moment, then shook her head. No, that would never do. Even if you kept that oath and just limped back to erstwhile, there's no telling what you might try to do to us in the future. Better to kill the brute now. You spineless book-burner, Deliritus cried. Face me in a duel, why don't you? Show some scrap of honor, you motherless... Marla raised a booted foot and stomped it down on Deliritus's lower leg. Deliritus's curses were cut short by the audible cracking of bone and then the cries of agony that erupted from his lips. "'Poor form, Torchsire,' Marla said, all traces of frivolity gone from her tone. "'Speaking of one's mother—' Baz's innards clenched at the sounds of Deliritus's suffering— this was bad. They'd kill rocks, then they'd go looking for him as well. Maybe they couldn't kill Deliritus outright, but they could leave him with a broken leg out in the wilds with no supplies. Fear gripped Baz, and he almost began to sprint away from the clearing as fast as he could. But Baz was surprised to find another emotion mixed with the fear. Anger. Anger at Marlowe's casual cruelty at Hellar's detached indifference, and most of all, anger at how ill-equipped Deliritus was to deal with them. Not because he was entirely inept, though he'd plenty ineptitude in him, but because he lacked the deplorable characteristics of Marla and Hellar. He wasn't despicable enough to concoct a plan like what Marla and Hellar had hatched, nor hard enough to carry it out with the apathy Hellar demonstrated. He was still the ink-spilling bastard who had ruined Tax's life, but... Scribes curse me for a fool, Baz muttered as he left the safety of the tree trunk to crawl through the underbrush at the clearing's edge. There was one thing he could do to perhaps save Deliritus, and rocks too, he supposed. If they were going to survive after tonight, they'd need Rox's brute force as much as anything. But the plan was completely cracked. Even if it worked, he'd still probably be killed for it. By that time, Arrow had reached rocks, but he was making a show of selecting the proper knife from the bandolier of weapons strung across his chest. Marla was drinking in the sinister display, of course, every now and again aiming a kick at Deliritus's ribs when his moans rose above the volume of a whimper. Baz was at the point of no return. To get any closer to Deliritus, he'd need to leave the meager cover of the weeds in which he now hid. He froze for an instant, but another kick from Marla into Deliritus's midsection spurred him to action. He scurried out into the open, crouching low, 
not toward Deliritus, but to his book pack, which rested just behind the writhing torchsire air. By some stroke of luck, everyone had their backs to it, and Baz reached it without anyone noticing. All eyes were turned to Arrow, who'd finally selected a knife and was running it over a rough strip of hide, ensuring its sharpness. Rox's eyes followed the knife as it whisked back and forth. Baz had to give the giant some credit. He didn't look the least bit frightened, staring his own death in the face. Baz eased the book pack open and selected a volume at random. He glanced at the cover and nearly dropped it. The book he held was the same shadow tome he'd criticized Deliritus for even considering back at the library. What had Deliritus been thinking packing it? It'd been ten years since Baz had tempted any serious reading, and books that called on the power of shadow were dangerous even to the most adept of speakers. He was just as likely to kill himself as hurt anyone else with it. But there was no time to think on that now, no time to search for a different book. Rox was seconds away from death. Baz opened the tome to a random page, then began thumbing through it, looking for anything that looked even vaguely familiar. Destruction was a harsh language to begin with, but the characters in this book looked even angrier than what Baz remembered, their sharp edges and hard consonants poking at Baz's eyes like Arrow's knives as he scanned the vellum for something familiar. Finally, he found a page with a stop rune he recognized and words he thought had something to do with fire. The spell was longer than he'd like, nearly a page in length, but he didn't have time to search further. Besides, a spell that long had to pack some punch. Baz glanced over to Arrow. He was putting the sharpening hide away. Not much time. He began to look back down to the page when he noticed Deliritus. His eyes were open, a mixture of pain and questions, staring right at Baz. Bloody burning books. This would have been hard enough to explain if the Lyritus didn't see. Now, it didn't matter. He'd be dead anyway as soon as Marla recalled that he was out there and she sent one of the harbors after him. Baz met Deliritus's eyes, put a finger to his lips, then looked down to the page, not waiting to see Deliritus's reaction. Baz uttered the stop rune, then began the spell, kneeling there on the ground with the book propped on his knees. Immediately, he knew this wasn't going to end well. As soon as the first few words were out of his mouth, an alkaline bitterness began to coat his tongue, a smell like rotten eggs filling his nostrils. He prayed to the scribes no one else could smell it and barreled on, looking up every so often to ensure the image of Arrow remained fixed in his mind's eye. His diction was terrible, worse even than when Tax had first begun teaching him. But even with his relative disuse by Deliritus over the years, Baz had spoken thousands of spells since he'd been that young boy struggling to light a candle. And there were Tax's songs, too, the ones he taught to the other retirees and to which Baz so often listened. 
The one he'd heard when he'd visited Tax before leaving had been one of creation, but there were destruction songs too, fevered, pulsing chants. Baz never joined in the singing, probably couldn't repeat a single verse from memory, but it was as Tax said, the words were important, but they weren't the only thing. Baz stumbled on through the reading, feeling a burning at the back of his throat every time he mispronounced a syllable, but each time he shaped the next word just so, making up for the misstep, keeping the spell from faltering. It would likely hurt to swallow for a week by the time he was through, but at least his lungs wouldn't be burning from the inside out. As he neared the spell's conclusion, he began to hear another voice. For a moment, he thought Hellar had noticed him and was directing Trunnell to cast a spell on him. But the voice wasn't coming from another person. Rather, it was inside his own head. And it wasn't one voice, but many. Each terrible in its own way, imploring him to do awful things. What was happening? Bez's eyes darted over the last few words, then he looked up, staring intently at Arrow and pointing a hand at him. He pushed the phantom voices from his mind and completed uttering the words without looking back down at the page. The last word left his lips and... something erupted from his fingertips. It looked like fire, but it was tinged violet and didn't seem to have any heat in it. If anything, it raised chilling prickles on Baz's skin as it rushed from his hand in a gout. It was poorly aimed, likely a result of his awful pronunciation. It was so wild that a portion of the powerful spray nearly took out rocks, instead hitting a portion of the roots that bound him, dissolving them to nothing. But enough of the spell found its intended mark. One moment... Arrow was standing there before rocks, knife raised. The next, the spell hit him, and he was just... gone. Body evaporated into a fine mist. Most of it, anyway. Portions of his legs remained, falling to the ground with a hollow sound. Horrified, Baz tossed the book away and scrabbled back. Arrow certainly hadn't been a nice person, and the way he'd been looking at rocks as he sharpened his knife suggested that Baz had done Oration a great favor removing him from existence. But it was still a shock for Baz to realize that he'd merely spoken some words, and now the world held one less life. Was anyone truly fit to wield such power? And those voices, what had caused those? What in the name of the scribes? Hellar cried. Arrow? Arrow? Don't be an idiot, Hellar! Marla hissed. She was crouched down, looking all about her. Baz lay prone on the ground, trying not to move, or even breathe. Your harbor is dead. The spell came from... It wasn't a spell, cried Deliritus. For an instant, Baz thought the fool actually meant to reveal what he'd done to the other readers. That would be just like him, ungrateful little... It was a dragon! Deliritus said, voice full of fear. Either he'd suddenly discovered a penchant for acting, or he really was frightened. And it wasn't the fictional dragon out in the darkness that he was scared of. 
I saw it. Over there. Deliritus pointed in a direction the spell could plausibly have come from, though not directly at Baz. A dragon? Hellar said. He sounded dazed, as if he still couldn't believe his harbor had just been vaporized before his eyes. Baz couldn't blame him. He'd been the one to cast the spell, and he was still coming to grips with it. This close to erstwhile? That's impossible. Impossible? Marla sneered. What else could it be? A shadow breather, judging by the fire that just took out your harbor. Explains why we can't see it. They phase between our reality and the elsewhere beyond. The Dark Ones work, she muttered, eyes darting over the murk beyond the clearing. We need to go now. Ryle, grab the books. Marla's harbor rushed in Baz's direction, but stopped short of him, stooping down to retrieve the book pack she dropped near Deliritus. You can either stand here gawking Hellar or come with us. No skin off my knuckles either way. Hellar stared numbly at Arrow's remains for another moment, then cursed under his breath. He replaced the books he'd removed from his pack, then hurried after Marla, Trunnell limping alongside him. Neither reader gave Deliritus even a backward glance as they abandoned him. Baz remained still, staring up at the star-filled sky for several minutes before he even dared to start breathing again. Eventually, he built up enough courage to stand and look around. Deliritus had managed to crawl over to rocks and was futilely pulling at the roots that still held the harbor fast to the ground. When Deliritus saw Baz, he squawked and held a shaking finger out toward him. You stay away from me, you cuss! Stay away, you hear? You have got to be kidding me, Baz thought. Chapter 12 Baz just stood there, maybe ten paces away from Deliritus, hands on his hips. Deliritus was still trying to crawl farther away from him, though he was already backed up against the massive roots holding rocks in place. His broken leg was stretched out in front of him. There wasn't any blood, and it still seemed straight enough, but Deliritus's face was pale, and between horrified stares in Baz's direction, he whimpered with discomfort. It's illegal, Bastion, Deliritus said. He'd put on what Baz assumed he thought was a brave face, though the shaking in his hands and voice completely ruined any semblance of courage Deliritus might have otherwise projected. You can't read? How is that even possible? Deliritus appeared to think that over for a moment, then his eyes widened. Yell tax! He did teach you! Baz glowered and began to step closer to Deliritus. Again, the Torchsire heir tried to back away without success. So instead, his mouth began spewing whatever it could think of, voice growing higher by the second. I always thought because you were so young that he couldn't have... Well, it doesn't matter. The harm is done. The only thing to do is bring you back and tell father. He'll be furious, of course. Both over my losing the trials and having to retire another speaker? But what's there to do? I'll try to convince him you ought to just be blinded like your brother, but I don't... 
Baz backhanded Deliritus across the face with such force he sprawled to one side, letting out a cry of pain, though that was probably due more to the jarring position of his broken leg rather than Baz's meager strength. Rox growled from within his prison of detritus. Don't you start, Baz said, stabbing a finger at Rox's face, nearly poking him in the eye. You'd be dead if I hadn't just put my neck on a headsman's block. Somewhere in the back of his mind, Baz realized he was screaming at the most dangerous man he'd ever met, but the risk of doing so hardly registered over the anger that had bubbled over within him. A decade of repressed frustration and rage at Deliritus, at rocks, at the whole bloody society of erstwhile, of all of oration. Rox's eyebrows rose up the plane of his hairless head, but he made no further sound. And you, Baz turned his pointing finger on Deliritus. The finger might as well have been one of Arrow's daggers, the way Deliritus flinched away from it. Let's start this conversation over. How about a thank you? Uh, uh, thank you? What in the name of the scribes for? Bass took a step toward Deliritus and raised his hand once more. Deliritus threw his arms before his face, cowering. No, please, I never hit you. Baz already had his mouth open to snarl a curse at Deliritus for being so ungrateful, but Deliritus's words struck him harder than any blow rocks could have managed. Baz's arm dropped, and his legs suddenly grew wobbly, fear replacing the rush of adrenaline that had been consuming him. He sunk to the ground until he was sitting face to face with Deliritus. Gain an ounce of power, and look what his first inclination had been. Treat Deliritus just like most readers treated their speakers. Sorry, Deliritus, Baz mumbled. Shouldn't have hit you. But I did just stop Hilar and Marla from leaving you alone in the wilds with a broken leg in a dead harbor. Well, that doesn't cancel out the fact that Truth, Rox rumbled, making Deliritus jump and grimace in pain as his leg twisted. For the love of mothers, Rox, don't startle me like that. Can't you see the state I'm in? And what do you mean, truth? Bastion, he speaks truth. Deliritus looked at Rox slack-jawed for several moments before recovering. Well, yes, I suppose he did me a bit of a service, but the way he did it. And even if I could pretend I didn't see what he did, there's the business of my leg here. We can't go on. Baz rubbed at the bridge of his nose. Let me ask you, Deliritus, he said, continuing to rub at his face and not looking at Deliritus. How, exactly, do you intend to get me to return to erstwhile with you to have my eyes put out? What do you mean? You'll just come. You're a speaker. I'm a reader. You do what I say. Baz shook his head. Deliritus, look. Rox is held fast by those roots, and you can't stand, much less walk. Let's think this through. Do you really think I'm going to help you free Rox and walk all the way back to Erstwhile, knowing what you intend when we get there? But... But you must listen. Bastion, look, I don't much like the business. 
I still have nightmares about that day with your brother. Don't you for a moment act like you have a right to be upset over what you did to tax, Baz said, some of the heat returning to his voice. Deliritus half-raised his hands in front of his face, as if he feared Baz might try to strike him again. When he saw Baz making no move to do so, he lowered them tentatively, saying, Well, it's the truth, but... He held up a hand to forestall another outburst from Baz. I shan't speak of him any more, but what would you have me do? Now, there was the first sensible thing Deliritus had said this entire time, though Baz doubted he realized it. But a broken clock and all that. They sat there in silence for several minutes. Deliritus seemed to be sulking, giving an occasional whimper of pain. Rox was studying Baz, making him squirm. He tried to ignore it. What were they to do? Deliritus had spent his entire life learning it was a mortal sin for someone like Baz to read. He wouldn't let it go, and Baz wasn't going to just walk back to Erstwhile to face the same fate as his brother. But neither was he going to take the route some in his position might, namely cutting Deliritus's helpless throat and make a run for it. Part of him actually thought that would be the sensible thing to do, Scribes knew he'd fantasized often enough of Deliritus getting what he deserved for ruining Tax's life. But every time his mind tried to go there, he remembered what Tax would always say about Deliritus, that he was just a product of his environment. Killing Deliritus for fearing a speaker who could read wouldn't be much different from killing a cow for chewing cud. It's just what they did. And then there was Tax himself. If he murdered Deliritus here and left rocks to rot, there'd be no way he could ever return to Erstwhile. He'd never see his brother again, and Tax would never know what had happened to him. Bez's insides twisted at the thought of his brother, alone in the dark, never hearing from him again. Something Liana had said to him before they departed suddenly came to mind, about how much pressure the duke was putting on Deliritus. Bez's stomach contorted further at the idea that began to form in his mind. Deliritus, he said, how important are the trials to you? Deliritus's face twisted as if he thought Baz was mocking him. How important? Come now, Bastion. I know you aren't involved with Erstwhilian politics, but you must see that Torchsire isn't as well, you know, regarded as it once was. The library needs the boost my win in the trials would give it, and my father wants that more than anything. Deliritus's face paled even further than the snapping of his leg had caused it to. But my leg, it's just... It just won't be in the cards now. Deliritus's lower lip began to tremble, and he looked away from Baz, who cursed under his breath. Whether the curse was for having made Deliritus cry, or for what he was about to suggest, he wasn't certain. How had he gotten into this mess? What if... Baz said, speaking slowly, 
as he knew each word was vital now. What if I told you there was another deck of cards we could use? Another deck of... what are you talking about? Baz shut his eyes and let out a long breath. What if I traveled to Tome? What if I finished the trials for you? Hello, welcome back to D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. Today is March 19th, 2022. Jeez, you'd think three months in I could write the correct year at this point. March 19th, 2022, as I record this, and this is episode uh, 10. Uh, you know, they say something like half of all podcasts don't make it past episode 10, so... So here we are, uh, bucking the trend here, uh, plowing away. And they also say uh, 10% of all statistics uh, are made up, so <laughs> take that for what it's worth. Um, all right, quick personal update, then we will jump into quite uh, quite an exciting chapters 11 and 12 here. At least I uh, I hope you thought hope you found them uh, <laughs> exciting. You're probably not still with us, I would say, if, if you didn't find these chapters at least uh, somewhat exciting. So... Um, well, if for those of you who uh, <laughs> who follow the newsletter, you know uh, a bit of a tough, <laughs> a tougher week for me here. Came back from vacation last week to some uh, some water damage in the house. Kind of started on the second floor and made its way down to the first floor. So ripped out a bunch of walls this week. Uh, had the uh, fine contractors from ServePro over here going in and out. Um, so. Wife and I have been <laughs> sleeping in an air mattress in uh, in here. Actually, that's why you'll probably notice that uh, my usual uh, accoutrements here behind me are are missing. We uh, we're this is actually an attic here behind me where my shirt's hanging up right now, and uh, we have the air mattress <laughs> in there right now, pulling it in and out uh every night so uh dealing with that uh fun times <laughs> um but it's going okay and uh looks like uh home insurance is gonna come through for us so that's good at least uh and thankfully still got my writing so uh i actually started on part four of the spoken books uprising this week uh working on the first draft got about 7500 words done on that though i've needed to back burner that for a few days because i just got my editors edits back on part two which is coming out in less than a month now april 15th the claim declaimers discovery part two of the spoken books uprising uh so i'm working on uh, addressing those edits and uh getting the formatting finalized so i can send copies out to my uh advanced readers here soon so that's uh that's what's going on in uh dt kane's uh writing world um like i said part two is out april 15th and uh, you can pre-order your copy now if you would like. Link for that is down in the show notes. Excuse me. Uh, all right. With that said, let's get into chapters 11 and 12 here. Hope you enjoyed these uh, as much as I enjoyed writing them. I think lots of lots of tension here and kind of a, a few monumental moments for the for the really the whole rest of the book here. So. Let's get started. I kind of liked what I did last week, kind of naming the different sections of the discussion, so I'm going to do that again. So this first section is Mutters in the Night. 
So uh, we start with Deliritus insisting that Rox uh, get some sleep rather than keeping watch. You know, Rox is a uh, Rox is obviously wary of that, right? Marla in particular, you know. Uh, Deliritus says something like, you know, well, Hellar is holding up his end of the bargain so far. And Rox is like, well, you know, he's not the one I'm worried about. <laughs> so, uh, but Rox has been keeping watch every night, so uh, he must be exhausted. And, uh, you know, Baz notices how, notices how tired he looks, and uh, that actually worries him. Uh, Baz, uh, Baz says here, you know, he'd always thought of Rox more like a massive tool rather than breathing flesh and blood. It was much easier to disdain a tool than it was uh, a person. You know, this is, uh, uh, I think this is a theme throughout the novel. Um, obviously, Baz does not really like <laughs> Deliritus or rocks, but, um, you know, it's tough to go on hating someone when you've spent time with them under difficult circumstances. Um, and certainly... Already, Baz's uh, opinion of Deliritus and Rockster being challenged is being challenged a little, and uh, that's gonna continue on here. Um, you know, but um, I doubt it came as too much of a surprise to anyone that uh, having Deliritus keep watch instead of Rocks didn't end up <laughs> working out, right? Uh, obviously, we're foreshadowing something here. Cause, uh, Baz wakes to muttering in the darkness. And as he notes, you know, that might not be an alarm or cause for alarm for ordinary folks, but uh, when you're worried about uh, readers wishing you harm, it is, it's kind of the last thing you want to hear. Um, so, so Marla and Hellar have obviously kind of been plotting behind Deliritus' back because this attack was coordinated. Um, I guess it's it's unclear whether Marla and... Hellar had this planned all along, or if Hellar was initially intending to see if the truce Deliritus had proposed uh, could work, and then decided against it after that scene with Marla and Baz at the end of Chapter 10. Um, I, I don't think I ever really make that entirely clear. I, I don't think it. I don't think it really matters to uh, the understanding of the story, um, though. I that, obviously based on how they were kind of conversing. Uh, <laughs> with each other um, right after they left erstwhile. And the cryptic looks, you know, we've seen them give each other a few times. You know, obviously there's something going on between them that probably extends past just the, you know, the past few days that uh, everyone's been together here at the start of the trials. Right, so let's just set the scene here a little. Marla is reading uh, this spell to her creator, the creator speaker. And that results in roots shooting out of the ground to imprison rocks. And at the same time, Hellar's using his influencer to lull Deliritus into a stupor so he can't raise the alarm. So immediately we see, you know, one of uh, Hellar's plans with bringing an influencer along instead of the more common choices of a creator <coughs> or a destroyer. You know, if he can uh, <laughs> lull his competitors into a false sense of security and then capitalize <clears throat> on that. You can see how that's an advantage, and that's what he does here. Um, so the two of them are, you know, busy uh, with their enchantments on rocks and Deliritus, and they kind of uh, leave Baz off to the side. He's laying down, kind of not in the direct proximity of Deliritus or rocks, um, which, you know, I guess that makes sense, right? You know, Baz obviously isn't a buddy-buddy <laughs> with a pair of them, so he's sleeping uh, a little ways away from them. So he's not in like the immediate line of line of fire, uh, but we do kind of see Marla's and Hellar's hubris. Uh, it's a bit of their undoing, I guess, 
here, though they never really uh, fully realize it. You know, they left Baz unaccounted for because neither of them wanted to be without their harbor, right, while they were reading to their speakers. You know, remember, kind of all the way back to chapter chapter two, um, you know, that's, uh, you know, obviously harbors in general protect their readers, but one thing they do specifically is when <coughs> the, the reader is uh, reading a spell aloud to their speaker, the harbor kind of keeps an eye on the speaker to make sure the speaker doesn't try to turn the spell on their reader so you know each of uh, each uh, each of Marlon Hell are like oh well you should have sent your harbor after after the uh, the torch sire speaker but they're like well geez I'm wasn't going to be without my harbor while I was reading <laughs> you know uh, and what's what is Baz's comment here um, you know he, he addresses this directly even now out in the wilds and in the midst of turning on one of their fellow readers, they couldn't trust their speakers long enough to ensure a loose end like Baz didn't interfere with their plans. You know, so uh, this is obviously a weakness here of the readers, and Baz, uh, Baz exploits it, and something to keep in mind for the, the future as uh, as well. You know, Hellar and Marla kind of assume that Baz is essentially useless if Delir just can't read to him, and... Uh, as we're about to see that, that costs them here, right? All right, so <clears throat> moving on to the next section of our discussion here, titled, Oh, hello there, chaps. Uh, so Baz shouts the warning to Rox, right? But he's a little uh, hes a little too late. Rox is caught by the roots. <clears throat> Though he does manage to injure Trunnel, right? Hellar's influencer before he's confined. And we see that maybe this relationship between Hellar and Marla isn't, you know, it, it, that this one's not really a smooth relationship either. You know, Hellar demands that Marla heal his speaker, but it seems like she's going to refuse until she notices that Hellar's harbor has a clear shot at her with his bow. You know, Marla is, uh, <laughs> Marla is in it to win it, so to speak. She could, she could have potentially greatly handicapped both of her opponents here, right? You know, dispose of rocks let Toronto bleed out so uh both of her competitors are down uh down a person on their teams and you know it certainly raises questions about whether uh whether even Hellar is wise and trusting obviously Deliritus's trust was misplaced here but uh you know Hellar um you know maybe maybe he's not making such a great decision here either um you know let me know what do you guys think where is this relationship between Hellar uh, and Marla gonna gonna end up shoot me an email. Would love to see uh, if any of you can uh, give me some accurate predictions. Uh, as always, dtkane at dtkane.com. Uh, right, so during the confusion of uh, rocks injuring Trunnel and nearly escaping the roots, Baz runs and uh, hides behind a tree. So now he's watching the scene kind of from afar. Uh, I guess it's kind of interesting he doesn't run away completely, right? I mean, no one, everyone's lost track of him, you know, and I guess he comes up with some justifications for why he doesn't run away. Maybe they're good ones, you know. He's like, oh, I couldn't survive out in the wilds alone, and maybe the more important one is he figures he'll never be able to, he'll never be able to see his brother again if he, if he runs away. Obviously, if uh, if the speakers or excuse me, if the readers back in erstwhile realized that Baz abandoned his reader then uh you know they wouldn't uh, they wouldn't keep him around for very long um you know of course Baz in his characteristic way also justifies it by you know he's not a very good runner right and, you know 
He had few talents, and none of them involved running farther than the distance from his sleeping pallet to the privy back in Torchsire Library. Uh, but still, you know, he's got all these reasons, but you get there's maybe there's a you get the sense there's something more, right? You know, so let's hold on to that for a minute. Uh, we'll come back to that. <clears throat> but uh, you know, at this point, Deliritus wakes up from the spell Hellar's put him under, and you know, kind of you know he showed he showed some savvy in the previous chapter, right? Kind of negotiating this. Uh, you know, rocky truce. But, um, you know, we still see his innocence, or maybe you would call it na- uh, naivete here. You know, he initially doesn't even think anything's amiss. Oh, hello there, chaps. <laughs> First thing he says when he wakes up. Uh, of course, he is quickly debased of that when Marla's Harvard grabs him by the throat uh, and lifts him off the ground. Even uh, <laughs> even Deliritus can't miss that. Uh, they've betrayed him at that point. And then Deliritus looks around and realizes Baz is gone and starts shouting for him, almost like he is uh, concerned, fearing that Marla has killed Baz. And Baz, uh, Baz actually feels kind of bad, right? Listening, <laughs> listening to the concern in Deliritus's voice, and Baz doesn't really know what to make of that. Again, uh, you know, geez, Deliritus isn't supposed to like Baz, you know, and it, it's hard to hate someone if uh, <laughs> if they have concern about you, right? Um, you know, Baz's, Baz's beliefs constantly being challenged here, the further and further we get into the book. Um, and speaking of, uh, you know, speaking of, uh, fear, um, our fears about Marla, obviously totally warranted, right? You know, she's kind of just toying with Deliritus, telling him, you know, you know, we didn't do this because of you, Deliritus. We wanted to eliminate your, your giant bodyguard. We found he was the biggest threat out here, you know? Don't be daft, dearie. Uh, she she tells him when Deliritus suggests, "Oh well, I guess I should be flattered that you saw me as enough of a threat to uh <laughs> to attack me." You know that's uh, n- uh not the case, Deliritus. <clears throat> All right, uh, you spineless book burner. That's our next section here. So things go from bad to worse. Um, you know, Marla asks uh, Hellar to have his harbor kill rocks, uh, which harbor, or which Hellar uh, does, you know, and Deliritus, you know, frantically, he tries to bargain here, you know, I'll, I'll forfeit the trials, I'll just, I'll just go back to Erstwhile, you don't gotta kill rocks, right? Um, you know, and obviously, I think we, we kind of established this already, but this obviously shows uh, Deliritus' feelings for rocks, right? Because we've seen how important it is for him to do well in these trials between uh, all the pressure his father's putting on him. Uh, and his resistance to his uncle's earlier suggestion that Deliritus kind of just, you know, just hide and keep yourself alive, right? You know, and then uh, actually in the in the next chapter, in chapter 12, which we also read today, we, you know, again, Baz kind of point blank asks Deliritus how important the trials are to him, and, you know, he makes it clear that winning them is very important, but he is willing to forfeit if it means keeping rocks alive. But uh, uh, obviously that doesn't sate Marla, you know, well, even if we don't kill him now, uh, you know, maybe you'll have him do something to us back in Erstwhile once we all get back. So, no, uh, let's just uh, let's just dispose of him. So, Deliritus gets angry then, right? Starts cars cursing at Marla, says something about her mother, and that was apparently <laughs> that's the line you cross with Marla, right? Um, you know, she stomps down on his leg and and breaks it. So now Deliritus is, you know, his situation is from bad to worse. His his harbor is captured, his speaker is missing, and now he's got a broken leg. He's kind of out in the middle of nowhere, so not looking good here. Um, 
and this kind of is all building up to the point, you know, Baz is hiding behind the tree the whole time, kind of just watching this unfold. And, you know, this is Baz's moment, right? Probably the most pivotal moment in the whole book. You know, we wouldn't really, there would be no more story, but for the decision Baz is about to make here. Um, and remember, I, I told you Baz was going to make a big decision last week, and, and, uh, and here it is. But, uh, you know, but first, remember I, I noted just a few minutes ago, you know, you know, Baz is like, well, I can't survive in the wilds, and I'll never see my brother again. So, uh, you know, that's why I'm not running away. But, uh, you know, but now we get a kind of maybe a real or uh, look at the real justification here. Um, I'm just gonna read this excerpt here, really uh, kind of an inside look at how Baz is feeling. <clears throat> but Baz was surprised to find another emotion mixed with the fear, anger. Anger at Marla's casual cruelty, at Hellar's detached indifference, and most of all, anger at how ill-equipped Deliritus was to deal with them. Not because he was entirely inept, though he'd plenty ineptitude in him, but because he lacked the deplorable characteristics of Marla and Hellar. He wasn't despicable enough to concoct a plan like what Hellar and Marla had hatched, nor hard enough to carry it out with the apathy Hellar demonstrated. He was still the ink-spilling bastard who had ruined Tax's life, but, you know, so um, as we've seen several times, Baz's innate sense of uh, right is shining through here, uh, through here again. He sees, you know, yeah, he definitely is at least acknowledging that there are readers who are far worse uh, than Deliritus. And, you know, maybe Deliritus is not the scourge of society Baz really wants him to be. Uh, and he decides to save him uh, for the second time <laughs> in uh, the first 11 chapters here. Uh, and, well, how is he going to save him? Baz just told us he doesn't have very many talents. Well... I would, I'd bet most of you saw this coming, uh, how he's going to do this, but he's going to read, right? You know, he does remember back from when his brother taught him, we finally see, or at least, you know, that's partially it, right? Partially from his brother teaching him. You know, Baz does tell us he hasn't tried to read in 10 years, but, um, you know, he's still able to read this very complex spell that he uses to save Deliritus. You know, and we get uh, get two explanations here. One is, um, you know, even if Deliritus doesn't utilize him often, you know, it's been 10 years, so, you know, especially in a library like Torchsire that doesn't have many speakers, Baz has been used. Um, so he has spoken thousands of spells <clears throat> over the past decade. So it's not as if he uh, hasn't had any practice repeating words that Deliritus has read to him aloud. But, uh, you know, then this second one, this is probably the more inter- interesting one, right? You know, Baz mentions Tex's songs. Remember, we <clears throat> we heard um, back t- towards the end of part two. What was that chapter? Chapter seven or eight? <clears throat> I think you know we heard Tax leading the other retirees in that song, and that song was in one of the languages of the Trinity. And Baz kind of suggests you know those have had some innate effect on him. They've helped teach him uh, just by listening to them over and over. Uh, you know, and Baz, you know, he doesn't know anything definitive here, but, you know, perhaps there's more to Tax's songs than just passing the time, right? You know, is this a scheme that Tax uh, thought up, you know, uh, to keep teaching Baz with these songs? Um, interesting. And uh, this isn't, certainly isn't the final time we're going to kind of see the importance of <clears throat> singing 
um, words of the Trinity here. So keep the keep that on your back burner and uh, don't lose sight of it either. Um, all right, our next section here is simply called Shadow. Um, so uh, Baz sneaks back into the camp. You know we've got um, <clears throat> Arrow, who is Hellar's uh, harbor. You know he's kind of taking his uh, taking his time here, selecting. He's got this bandolier of weapons across his chest, right? So he selects uh, selects the perfect knife, and he's you know sharpening it on the uh, on the uh, piece of hide. Here, taking his time, waiting to execute rock. So Baz sneaks in, grabs a book from Deliritus's book pack, and nearly drops it. Right, <laughs> not because he's clumsy, right? But it's it's that crazy book of shadow spells, uh, and. Uh, We'll remember back, remember when Deliritus was trying to get Baz to participate in selecting the books they were going to take. You know, at one point, Deliritus kind of hesitantly picked up this one book, and Baz was like, you know, put, put that away before you hurt yourself. It's it's the same book. Um, and we haven't gotten too much into this, but, you know, there are these five magical elements. So there's the three languages of the Trinity, which draw on uh, one or more of the five elements in our world. You know, the inks contain the powers of the elements and the fiber fire earth water light and shadow and apparently shadow isn't very well understood and um bass tells us it's dangerous even for adept readers so um you know and obviously bass does not consider <laughs> delirious as an adept reader so you know why did he bring this book but uh you know bass also he is frantic but uh, rocks is moments away from being killed so he he just has to go with it um, so he starts reading, and we see a co- kind of a, a few things here right off the bat that kind of uh, solidify Baz's statement here about a uh, shadow being dangerous. You know, first is Baz Baz nears completion of the spell, so he's got the book kind of propped open. He is uh, he's reading it, um, you know, aiming it mentally in the direction of arrow. You know, he starts hearing voices voices in his head though right terrible voices imploring him to do awful things you know you guys know that's going to be relevant later i didn't just i was like oh we'll we'll hear we'll have him hear some voices and that'll never come up again you know (laughs) no that's going to be relevant later here but uh right now neither us nor baz have time to dwell on that we are in the middle of the intense situation here um second baz gets the spell off right you know he's like well my diction was terrible but he manages to you know it's like he course corrects while he's reading. You know, he mispronounces one, but then he shapes the next syllable just right to keep the spell on track. Um, and once he completes it, we see how vicious this spell ends up being, right? He, you know, uh, yeah, vaporizes Hellar's Harbor. You know, phasers set to kill. <laughs> you know, Hellar's Harbor is just gone. Uh, except for, like, you know, pieces of his legs, and they kind of, like, uh, <laughs> fall fall over. Um, right, so... Um, you know, the shadow spells make you, you know, hallucinate, or is it a hallucination, or, or what? But you hear voices anyway, and then uh, terrible destruction. Uh, you may actually remember Delirtus noted he'd seen Marla vaporize rats. I think he says vaporize, but definitely kill rats with shadow <clears throat> spells. So we kind of had some suggestions of how potent shadow could be here. Um... You know, and Bass is kind of horrified, right? You know, <laughs> obviously he was uh, he was trying to save a Deliritus <clears throat> here, but uh, you know, he's, he realizes he's killed someone, right? And it's like, geez, even 
Arrow seemed like a pretty bad dude. I probably did oration a favor by killing him. But, uh, geez, should anyone have that much power to just speak some words and kill somebody? Um, you know, uh, again, this is, um, uh, actually, we're going to get to this in a few minutes talking about the next chapter, but this, this theme of, you know, is power all it's cut out to be? Um, comes up here, and I'm going to save a discussion of that for a few minutes, uh, a few minutes future, in the future here of this episode, but, you know, keep that in mind. You know, Baz certainly isn't uh, excited about, uh, about killing somebody here, kind of tosses the book aside after he reads the spell. Um, and I guess we see kind of a third justification, too, for Shadow being a little understood element. You know, Deliritus, you know, again, Deliritus helps out Baz here, right? You know, he doesn't just say, oh, it's Baz, you know. <laughs> uh, I guess that's because I mean, even Deliritus can tell, you know, if he gives away Baz, well, okay, they'll just kill him too and still leave Deliritus out here with a broken leg. You know, but Deliritus is like, no, it, it, wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't a spell. It was a dragon out there in the shadows. And, you know, Marl and Hell are actually, uh, you know, they take this at face value. They don't think he's lying. So that would seem to suggest that the spell that Baz cast isn't one that you see very often, right? It's plausible that might have actually come from a dragon. And Marla says, oh, well, it must be a shadow breather. That was a shadow spell. Um, so that's interesting. Shadow breathers kind of seem, you know, she doesn't give much explanation here, but they live between this world and uh, the elsewhere beyond, right? So uh, almost like a ghost, you know, so even that they even the fact that they can't see a dragon now doesn't uh, necessarily mean it wasn't out there. Um, and we heard reference to fire breathers earlier, right? So there's at least two types of dragons in this world. You know, maybe we've got more. Fire and shadow are two of the five elements. Maybe we have dragons for the other three um, as well. So we'll have to keep an eye out for those as well. You know, like my dragons. <laughs> Um, so Marla and Hellar run away, and they leave Deliritus with his broken leg, uh, and Rock's trapped, and, you know, luckily they think they're just leaving him there to die, but, of course, Baz is still there, uh, unknown to them, you know, he waits until they're gone, then, uh, then he goes over to Deliritus, and what does Deliritus do? You know, <laughs> he yells for Baz to stay away from him, <laughs> you know, Baz. Uh, a cow chewing on cud, that's the, uh, the name of the, uh, the final section we've got here and uh you know baz is incredulous at least initially right he just saved deliritus and <laughs> that's how that's how deliritus is going to treat him here you know he keeps going on uh uh you know deliritus keeps going on about how baz well we're going to bring you back to erstwhile and get you blinded like your brother now and baz <laughs> baz slaps him across the face right kind of an interesting reversal of roles here uh and when baz when it actually hits baz kind of makes him sick right because, you know, Baz threatens to hit Deliritus again, and Deliritus kind of cowers away, cowers away, right? Uh, you know, what does he say? Oh, I never hit you. Um, and, geez, I don't know, but th this is a pretty powerful moment to me, I think. You know, Baz kind of realizes, you know, the instant he gets a, you know, gets a little pow taste of the power that the readers generally have over the speakers, he begins using to using it to abuse Deliritus, kind of acting like... Um, acting like a reader, you know, uh, gain an ounce of power and look what his first inclination had been, treat Deliritus just like most readers treated uh, their speakers, um, you know, as I was noting in 
just a minute ago, kind of an interesting and maybe startling idea here. You know, uh, It's not always easy to do the right thing when you're the one in a superior position. Baz perhaps uh, grasps in this moment that having power isn't all it's cracked up to be with the temptations that it uh, presents. Kind of another theme we're going to see here again and again throughout the series. Power isn't always necessarily <clears throat> a good thing. You know, um, and Baz realizes, you know, after this, Baz kind of comes down from his kind of frantic high. Uh, you know, kind of realizes that you know, maybe his brother was right about Deliritus. He's just a product of his environment, and you uh, you can't entirely blame him for that. Not that I'm trying to justify Deliritus's participation in this slave society, but then again, you know, this is all he's ever known. He was, you know, born into this set society, and, uh, you know, Baz notices, notes that, uh, you know, a lot of slaves in his position would, uh, they'd probably just run away, right? Run to freedom. Or at least try to find freedom. You know, maybe they would even cut Deliritus's throat before they did that. But, uh, you know, but doing that would be like killing a cow for chewing cud. It's just what they do. Uh, you know, Baz isn't going to do that. Um... You know, and uh, once again, Baz also realizes that his only chance of ever seeing Tax again, his brother, is to work with Deliritus now. Um, you know, he can't go back to Erstwhile if he runs away. He needs Deliritus to get back there. So killing him or running away is not an option. So Baz comes up with a plan. What if he travels to Tome and finishes the trials for Deliritus? Dum, dum, dum! <laughs> oh, man. So uh, we kind of end on a cliffhanger here this week. What is Deliritus uh, going to say to that? And uh, you'll have to tune in next week for Chapter 13 to find out about that. Um, just a couple other quick things here to note about Chapter 12. Uh, you know, uh, Deliritus at one point, he's kind of like resisting, making this admission that Baz helped him out. And then, you know, Rocks kind of chimes in here. Truth! You know, Rocks, <laughs> Rocks understands. You know, they'd be dead without Baz. So, again, um, you know, at this point, Rocks has actually demonstrated uh, far more good qualities <clears throat> than bad ones. So, um, you know, good old Rocks here. Like I said a few chapters back, he's kind of, he's turned into a, yeah, he's got a, a and, and, Teddy bear, Teddy bear with a with a sword in his hands, right? You know, <laughs> you know, rocks can, uh, you know, rocks can mess stuff up, but um, you know, he's not a bad guy, it seems. Um, and uh, Deliritus also notes that you know he has nightmares about what he did to tax, and you know, obviously, and he he feels bad about it, um, even if Baz doesn't want to hear about it, so. Just another couple quick notes there. and That's it for our discussion here. So like I said, next week we're going to read Chapter 13, uh, Baz and Deliritus. Uh, we see this plan that Baz has come up with fleshed out a little more, and then we get to a town. Uh, and in this town, there is a big moment, a reveal of epic proportions, very relevant to this podcast, particularly for those of you who watch on YouTube, uh, you can't really miss the moment, but keep an eye out and, you know, jump out of your seat when it comes, right? You know, point at the screen, you know, our Leonardo our Leonardo DiCaprio meme from uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, I'm uh, 
just smiling, picturing some of you doing that when you see the moment I'm talking about here. Um, all right. Um, let's see. Quest. Our quest for this week. Um, you know, I, I need to get like a uh, the, the yellow question mark, put it above my head for this portion, um, like we have in World of Warcraft with the, the quest givers. Um, you know, any thoughts out there? on why shadow is dangerous uh you know there was a subtle hint somewhere in the book about uh why that might be so interested to see if anyone picked up on that shoot me your answers dtkane at dtkane.com um we're probably not going to discuss even if some folks guess this right <coughs> or not guess but just get it right um, probably won't discuss this for a while. Don't want to give uh, too many spoilers here. But uh, but if you think you think you know, shoot me an email. Um, all right, and we will close with our quote here. This one comes from Mister uh, Mister Martin from A Game of Thrones, George R. R. Martin. Um, Bran thought about it. Can a man still be brave if he's afraid? That is the only time a man can be brave, his father told him. Um, you know, I think uh, we see a fair bit of bravery here out of Baz in this chapter, so I thought this was a, a good quote uh, for, for this week. I like this idea. I think this comes up again and again in my writing, too, of um, bravery being, uh, you know, bravery isn't the absence of fear, right? You know, it's uh, kind of the being able to do to do the right thing or keep your cool in the presence uh, of fear. Um, and I think that's important to keep in mind. Brave people uh, still feel fear. They can, uh, you know, they just don't let it, uh, you know, ruin their actions, so to speak. So um, there you go. Uh, hope you enjoyed the episode today. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to being with you all next week to read and discuss chapter 13 of the Actus Trials. So until next time, this has been D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. Future Dan, this is chapter 11-5. Five. All right, we are moving on. Moving on. On. <clears throat> All right, uh, chapter 12. What were they to do? Valeritus had spent his entire life learning it was a mortal sin. <clears throat> Damn it. <clears throat> God darn it. <clears throat> <clears throat> All right. Uh, let's see. What were they to do? <clears throat> Thanks for listening to DT Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. If you liked today's episode, please consider rating and reviewing wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, give this video a thumbs up if you liked it and hit that subscribe button and the bell so you get notified whenever new episodes become available. If you'd like to listen to back episodes or review the show notes, visit dtkane.com slash podcast. DT Kane's novels are available for purchase at most major online retailers, or you can purchase directly from his website at www.dtkane.com slash books. You can receive a free short story and sign up for DT Kane's mailing list at dtkane.com slash email dash sign up. If you'd like to connect, you can find DT Kane on Facebook at DT Kane Author or Twitter at DT Kane Author, or send DT Kane an email at DT Kane at DT Kane.com. 
See you next week.